All right, so they're going to have a little celebration, and that means that I've got about 15 minutes with you, and so if that makes you upset, I, I apologize, but I'm a little jealous because my grandparents did not come to see me, um, and so we want to thank you. If you are a guest and you are here today to see one of the kids, we want to let you know that we're so glad that you're with us today. Uh, it means the world to us that you came in and that you're here today, and we're just going to have to take just a moment as they celebrate uh, what they did today and their accomplishment. And so when you came in today, you should have received a handout. Um, and if you don't want to use the handout, all of these notes are also on the Uversion Bible app as well. And so we want to encourage you to use either one. If you're a digital person, you can go to the Uversion and go to events. If you're a pen and paper person, uh, we want to try providing that today. And give us some feedback and let us know if that was helpful to you um, or not. But our text today, and it's on your handout, is Luke chapter 2. Uh, Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8 through 20, and we're just going to read through this passage, and I just want to share a few things that I believe will help kind of navigate us, especially this holiday season. So beginning in verse 8, it says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. Now, we've shared this part before, but I want to just remind you. In the first century in Palestine, shepherds were normally poor and labeled as unclean. Now, it wasn't the, the poorest of the poor, but they were not even considered really uh, middle class. They were, they, they were in a really difficult spot because of their job. They were considered unclean, and here's why. They were unable to keep the details of the Jewish ceremonial law. So the Jewish law required certain types of hand washing and staying away from certain things in order to be able to be in God's presence. And the shepherds were constantly breaking those laws to do their job. So I want to be clear, they weren't sinning against God, but they were not able to follow the proper protocol to participate in worship. And so they couldn't keep those details of the meticulous hand washing and different regulations so they were considered unclean. And this is interesting. A shepherd could not testify in court. So if you committed a crime and a shepherd was an eyewitness, their word was not considered reliable or not trusted. And so they were not able to be a witness in the court of law. So they're kind of considered uh, kind of on the lower scale of things economically. Religious-wise, they're kind of looked down upon. They, they're never attending any of the services. They can't go to any of the festivities. And then also, kind of in a social context, they can't be trusted to even give a testimony in court. Verse 10, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. That word good news there is literally gospel. The angel saying, I'm bringing you gospel. Now, here's what's interesting. If you were going to give important information to someone, the last group of people you would do that to or give that to would be the shepherds. Because, think about it again, their word was not even considered an eyewitness testimony in a court of law, which shows us, number one, that this is a historically accurate story. Because if you and I were going to make up a story, you would not use shepherds because everyone knew that their word didn't count. It's interesting that later on in the Gospels that um, women are the eyewitnesses of Jesus' resurrection or Jesus not being at the tomb. And they also fell into that category of their word not counting in court. 
And it's interesting that God chooses both groups, one during the Christmas narrative, one during his resurrection, to get the message out through the most unlikely source of that day. And so the angel proclaims this good news. And when it says to proclaim good news, it's a word that the Romans used to describe when a military would come in and they were victorious and there was now peace. Now that lets us know there was a lot of angels there at that moment. It wasn't one or two, it was a lot. And it would have looked something like this just huge group of these angelic beings and they're proclaiming this news to these lowly shepherds. Verse 11, today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. If you spent any time around North Park, you know this idea of Messiah was important to the Jewish people. They believed he was the one that would bring political deliverance, that he would bring peace to the world, and they thought that he would fit a very specific set of prophecies. Verse 12, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. I know during Christmas, there's a lot of discussion of why Jesus came in, in such a humble way. Well, one of the biggest reasons why is because the shepherds needed to know that Jesus was approachable. You see, shepherds fell into that social class that when their children were born, the only thing they had to to wrap them in would have been what the angels just described Jesus would be wrapped in. So imagine this, these, these shepherds. And it's very likely these shepherds were raising sheep that would be sacrificed in the temple for people's sins. And they feel like they're kind of the outcasts of culture. And God chooses to use them, and he sends these impressive angels to speak to them. And he says, the Messiah that you've been waiting for your entire life and your family's been waiting for for generations is here. And here's how you know that you're welcome to interact with this Jesus. He's going to be wrapped in the same thing you were. He's going to be presented in the same way your children would be. He's holy, and yet he's approachable. So verse 13 says, Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God. And that host, again, is a military term for army. Verse 14, Glory to God in the highest in heaven. On earth, peace to those whose favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about the child. Now, here's what's important. The shepherds hear this message and they listen well. And their reaction is to obey and to actually go and share the news. But look at verse 18. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. And here's what's important. When the shepherds hear, they obey and they go out and spread the word. But when the people hear, we're not told that they were led to believe, but simply that they were just amazed at what he had shared. And here's what we see in this passage very quickly. This passage is about the importance of hearing well. The importance of hearing well. You don't have to raise your hand, but if you're married or if you've been married or if you've been in a relationship, you know what it's like in that moment when the person that you love is talking 
and you know they're talking, and then something happens. All of a sudden, there's a test that you're not prepared for. And they look at you and they say, what was I just talking about? Now, you have a 50% chance, at least in my house, because I know it's probably something that my mother-in-law said to my, to my wife, and I'm thinking, okay, what would it be? It's either I didn't run the dishwasher or I need to remember a certain date or somebody's going to the doctor. I'm not sure. But you know what? After 16 years of marriage, I, even though I have no shot, I have no idea what was being said, I still guess, and I guess with such conviction, right? And I just look at her and say, we were talking about the Eagles-Cowboys game tonight? No, no, I fail every time. Why? Because hearing someone is actually a lot more difficult than what we think about. In fact, Mary actually teaches us how to hear well. And I don't want you to miss this application. If a message in your life is challenging or hard to believe, it's easy to dismiss it by focusing on the messengers. Let me say that again. If a message is challenging or hard to believe, it's easy to dismiss it by focusing on the messengers. And here's what that means. The shepherds hear the word from angels, okay? I don't know exactly what that looks like, but I believe angels probably look a little bit terrifying because almost every time you see them in Scripture described, they have to say, stop being afraid. So it must be a pretty amazing experience. I would imagine angels are really, really great speakers and have just this great, this just booming voice. They probably all sound like Mr. Ron back there. They all have that, that deep, just great voice. It would be awkward, right, if they sounded like, I don't know, Larry the Cable Guy or something, right? So, so angels just have this booming voice. It's an impressive presentation. That's who the shepherds hear from. They believe. But then the shepherds, These kind of low-class, not socially accepted, not welcome in church group, this ragtag group, when they go share the message, people are amazed, but they don't believe. Why? Most likely because they discredited them for who they were. Here's the challenge. Sometimes there are people in your life that are trying to share truth with you that you need to hear. And you refuse to listen because deep down you know they're right. But the easiest way to not have to apply that truth is to discredit the messenger. To say, well, who are you to speak into my life? You don't have it all together. And so what we do many times is there's a truth we need to hear. And don't miss this. We must not ignore uncomfortable truths just because they come through an unimpressive messenger. Look at verse 19. But Mary treasured up all of these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. There's two words there if you're looking in verse 19 and verse 20. When it says pondered, that's actually a Greek word that means to put in context, to connect to think something out. When Mary heard the news, she began to put that news in the context of all of her life and say, if this is true, then how will my life be different? And obviously, her life at this point, every truth that she had been shared by these angels and by these shepherds and all these different things, she had to say, as a young woman who is not yet completely married, I'm about to bring a child into the world. 
And it's going to, in many ways, wreck my life. And in some ways, it's going to absolutely change my life. And here's how that's going to play out. So when Mary received a hard truth, she thought, how does this apply in the context of my entire life? Many times when someone tries to speak a hard truth into our lives, we don't connect it to how it affects everything else. Maybe your spouse has been wanting to talk to you about kind of your attitude or, or something they've noticed in you, or, or maybe it's a, it's a spending habit, or maybe it's just you're not home enough. Maybe it's something that really, really matters, and all you hear is someone trying to tear you down, and you're not taking that truth and saying, if this is true, let me, let me connect this to the context of my life. If this is true, not just how does it make me feel, but how does this affect my kids? How, how does this affect my financial future? If I really am in this situation, what do the next 20 years look like? Not just for me, but for all the people, the people at work on my team, the people in my family, the people in my circle of friends, if this thought is true, how does it affect everything else? That's the first thing Mary did. The second thing is it says she treasured what she had heard. That means to relish and experience. It means to savor something. So she doesn't only connect it to the context, but she begins to just savor it. And really begin to think deep thoughts about what this means. And I just wonder for you and I, when was the last time someone shared a hard truth with you? And, and instead of just dismissing them and saying, who are you to speak to me, right? You're, you're way more disorganized. You're, you're way more grumpy. You're way more, your life is so much more of a mess than mine. Who are you to speak to me? And so what happens is we isolate ourselves, and the only person who can speak truth to us and hard truth are perfect people. And here's what we know. Perfect people do not exist. If you are waiting for someone that has the ability to share hard truth with you that's perfect, it's Jesus, and we don't like when he does it either. The reality is we don't want the hard truth about ourselves but the first sign of true, real maturity is the ability to look at someone, hear a hard truth, ponder it and say, is this really true? And if this is true, how does this connect to the rest of my life? So very quickly, if you have your handout, you'll see there's a few different ways that God gives us truth. The first one is his spirit and his presence. Meaning we believe if you follow Jesus, that he will speak to you. He will put a thought in your heart and your mind, and he will reveal truth to you. And sometimes we'll ignore it, but we know it's there. Or sometimes it's just his presence. Sometimes it's a worship service. Sometimes it's driving in your car. It's listening to worship. It's putting yourself in a position to where you're, you're listening for the voice of God. The second one is the Bible. The Bible. When we look at Scripture, if you only read the passages you like, you'll never, the, the Bible needs to disagree with you once in a while. If you only read Jeremiah 29 11 all the time, you don't have a balanced diet of Scripture. You need to read the Psalms. You need to see that David, who is a man after God's own heart, also looked at God and said, God, where are you? Because you need to know that when things are difficult, that you can question. 
See, if we don't read scripture, we don't think about guys like Moses kind of arguing back with God. We don't think about people like David just absolutely messing up everything and saying to God, I blew it again, God. Scripture, his presence. Here's another one we don't like, people. People are are, are a way that God speaks into our life and speaks hard truth. And I just want to ask you a question. I want you to think about this for a moment. Who in your life has permission to speak hard truth to you? And what is it like to approach you with a hard truth? Are you quick to say, I know, I know, I know, I know. And then you, you kind of try to go around it. Or are you so intense and so kind of angry that you make it intimidating and as uncomfortable as you can because you simply do not want to hear it? And so what you do is you kind of manipulate the, the, the situation. You either push back on them, and here's the reality. They do not have to be perfect. If the truth is the truth, we need to hear it. And we need to understand what to do with it. The next one is our conscience. We do have a conscience. It is a part. Now, Scripture says we can get to a point where that voice can get more and more quiet. The last one is this, circumstances. If you continually find yourself in a very similar situation over and over and over again, and you think, man, everywhere I go, everyone wants to fight with me and argue with me. What is wrong with everyone everywhere? Have you ever had that? You're like, man, I don't know what it is. At the last 10 places I've worked, everyone there is just extremely difficult. My wife and kids are difficult. My parents are difficult. The person at Food Line is difficult. Everyone's difficult but you. Have you ever had that moment? I've had a moment. I have so many people in my house. I've had moments where I'm like, you say I'm grumpy. You say I'm grumpy. You say The baby kind of looks at me like I'm grumpy. I don't know what's wrong with you guys, but I'm going to be praying for you. That's what I normally say. Why? Because there's something in us. And here's the thing. Most of us are aware that we aren't perfect people. But true growth occurs when we're able to discover areas in our lives that need God's healing and maturity. And here's what I want to leave you with before we pray. If you have a handout or you're doing you version, we need this kind of truth every day in our lives. And I just want you to take inventory and make sure that you have at least one person in your life that maybe can deliver all of these or some of these, most likely it's multiple people. The first kind of truth that you and I need every day is illumination. We need insight and wisdom about our inner lives that reveals the dark parts of our heart that need to be exposed and matured. Now, most of the time, this is going to come from Scripture, This is going to come from a quiet time with the Lord. This is going to come from getting alone in his presence. But sometimes God will place people in your life, have this spirit of discernment that love you, that will help to expose something in your life that you're trying to keep secret. I want to be real honest with you. We have an enemy who's real, and he wants you alone, and he wants you isolated. And the way that he likes to work is he wants to get you to do something that you know you'll regret. And then immediately when you do that thing, he's going to be right there to bring the shame and to accuse and to isolate you. And what we need is the illumination truth. We need the light to expose the darkness in us. Because chances are there are things about all of us, there are blind spots in our lives that we do not see. So ask yourself, 
Recently, has someone tried to confront me with the truth, and I wanted nothing to do with it? The next one is clarification. We need to understand, and this is huge, which of our struggles are our own fault, which one are the result of someone else's sin, and which ones are just the result of living in a broken world. Now think about this. We're going to always have problems, but the truth sometimes that we need, we need to understand. This current problem I'm facing, is it because of my own decisions? Is it because of the decisions of someone else? Or is this really just just the result of living in a difficult, broken world? The reality is, sometimes it's a little bit of all of them. But here's what I know about me, and this might be true about you. I always want to focus on these two. I want to focus on, man, the world is just so broken, and it's so not fair. And these people... Do you have a list of people in your mind that make your life difficult? And you say, and maybe you've said it out loud, if these people were not in my life, I would have no problems. Now, it's a lie, okay? It's a lie because you can move, you can, you can do whatever you want, and God will find a way to bring that same, maybe it's one of your aunts or uncles, they'll bring the same person, just in a different personality, right into your path. Because many times God's trying to teach you something. He's trying to grow you. But when is the last time you looked over here and said, what's in my heart? What attitude, what habit, what thing do I have that I'm constantly wanting to ignore? The, The last two are this, guidance. Oftentimes we stumble through life like children not knowing how to operate in things like relationship and work. And here's the thing. You should be a lifelong learner. Depending on your background and your parents, there might be things that your parents taught you really well. And, it's, and, and I, this is always just tough when we get a group of men together because you know whose dads taught them how to do things like change the oil, change your brakes. Like, have you ever talked to a guy and they find out you don't change your own oil? They almost look at you like you're really not a man. You ever had that experience? Sometimes I try to pretend and I'm like, well, you know, the other day I changed it myself. I opened up the trunk. They're like, you put oil in the trunk? I'm like, well, no, like that's where it was at. And then I had to move it to the gas tank because it gets faster there. And they're like, you don't know how to do it, do you? No, no, I don't. But I use when I go to get my oil change as a witnessing opportunity, okay? I'm trying to, trying to build the kingdom. Maybe you grew up in a home where you know how to change your brakes and change your oil. But maybe you grew up in a home where no one ever showed you how to do a budget. Or no one ever showed you how to talk about the way that you feel. Here's the thing. None of you were raised by perfect people. There are lessons you need to learn. And you need to identify the areas in your life, whether it's relationships or finances or just what you do at work, and say, where do I need to learn? When is the last time you learned something? If you don't learn anything new, many times it's a pride issue. But here's the reality. Somebody in your life is suffering because of your lack of wanting to learn something new. The last one is this, and this is the most difficult. We'll pray. Correction. There has to be people in your life that can speak correction. There has to be somebody in your life that can look at you and say, this is destructive for you. This is not wise for you. Someone that can look at you and say, you are not being the best version of yourself. So this week, I would love for you to take this handout or the U version notes, 
And I'd love for you to concentrate on the ways that God speaks truth. Maybe it's his presence. Maybe it's his word. Maybe it's other people. Maybe it's your conscience. Maybe it's a circumstance. And I want you to ask yourself, who in my life is bringing illumination? Who in my life is bringing clarification? Who do I allow to speak guidance into my life? And who do I allow to bring correction? And here's the thing. If we ask the Holy Spirit, he will send people to do that very thing. I've seen this different times in my life in ministry. The church we worked at in Vero for five years, it was a, it was a, a church out in Vero Beach, Florida. And there was so much work to be done. Our building was over 60 years old, and there were parts of it that were breaking down. And, and I'm not handy at all, all right? When something breaks at our house, we FaceTime my father-in-law. Ashley holds the tools, and I stand back there, and I'm like, you guys are doing great. I'm so proud of you, right? And I'm at this church, and there's all these things. And I remember, I remember praying, God, please send someone. I had a guy show up one day named Bob, and Bob's wife went to church. But Bob wanted nothing to do with church. But Bob's son got married at our church, and he just he could see all the things that were wrong. He was a master carpenter that spent his life in construction, and he was retired. And I remember Bob was very nice, but very, very plain. He said, listen, I will come help you. I'm not a Christian. I don't want to have conversations about God, but I'll come help you. Every Thursday for two years, Bob would come and spend the entire day, and we would fix something on that building. And by the time we got done, something else would break. And over time, we had so many conversations. And to be honest, most of the time as a Christian, I spent a lot of times answering questions like, no, we don't all believe that. No, I'm sorry, I don't know why that guy was on television. Like a lot of these conversations. And I remember when we took the job to come here, I thought, man, I wonder what will happen to Bob. And I'll never forget, we were driving here moving here. And I got a call from Bob in tears. And he said, I don't know what happened, but it just clicked. I've surrendered my life to Jesus, and I want to serve him. And Bob is still a member of that church, except now he doesn't just go Thursdays. He's there on Sundays. He's there every time the door is open. I needed help. We all need a voice in our lives. For him, I was able to be illumination. For me, he was guidance and wisdom. And I've seen God do it over and over again. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for today. I thank you for these people that have gathered. And, and Lord, we're so proud of these kids, and I'm thankful for what they've done. But, Lord, I really believe this word was on my heart today, that, that God, we need to hear truth. And many times we don't want to hear truth. And God, I'll be the first to admit, I, I have a great ability to, to, to just picture my idea and my thought and all the ways that it's right. And so God, you've convicted me this week. Who in my life has a hunting license? Who in my life can go hunting in my life and say, I see something in you that's not right? Who am I leading on? Who am I leaning on for illumination, for guidance, for wisdom, for correction? Lord, we thank you that your spirit speaks, but I also pray that not only we listen for you, but Lord, we would get ourselves intentionally in relationships with people who can speak hard truth into our life. Lord, we thank you for all your many blessings and what you've done. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you.